Hello, I'm Lindley Gooden. Welcome to Market Force Live's podcast, engaging customers across an increasing range of channels, hosted in association with Accenture. Now, today we're going to focus on one thing, the most important element of any financial service provider's business right now, the customer. We all know from our personal lives, if not our professional ones, that there's no single one-size-fits-all approach to meeting the needs of every customer. Some prefer banking digitally, some like to bank in physical branches. When it comes to insurance, most now buy through aggregators and every combination in between. So you need your services to be available at the right time, in a consistent way, on multiple platforms. Unfortunately, it can get complicated very fast. So we're asking the question today, how can financial service organizations practically manage the complexity end-to-end and which new channels offer unique and powerful ways to engage customers? Well, let's meet the people who'll be answering these questions, navigating the issues with us this time. First of all, we have Warren Buckley. Hello, Warren. Hi. Good to have you with us. Warren is the Global Head of Channel Optimization and Contact Centers for Retail Banking and Wealth Management at HSBC, with responsibility for the Global Contact Center business. Now, he started out as a contact center agent and worked for Orange, Avaya, Lucent Technologies and Vodafone before moving on to BT. Warren is also chair of Citizen Advice, a large UK charity. You may have heard of it with 30,000 volunteers and 300 offices serving the UK public on a range of needs, including debt and housing. Great to have you with us. Next, we have from our partner Accenture, Rowena Maxwell. Hello, Rowena. Hello. Great to have you with us too. Rowena is a managing director at Accenture and has over 20 years experience in helping clients to drive change, particularly around their customer service proposition. Now, Rowena is passionate about placing the customer at the heart of decision making, and that's backed up by a vast experience of financial services, energy and retail too. Plus, alongside her role at Accenture, Rowena is a judge for several industry award panels as well as a contributor to online customer magazines and now podcasts too. Lovely to have you with us today. Great to see you. Okay, let's get started with the onset of digital disruption, competition and continuously changing customer expectations. We all know that it's really difficult to attract and keep customers. And if financial services organizations don't involve their strategies to work more closely with their customers, they might as well give up. It's at the heart of modern channel engagement and being multimodal is a key part of any strategy, plan or purpose. So, first of all, what does excellent customer service really look like? What does it mean to you, Warren? Kick us off. Thank you. Well, for me, I think it starts with time. You've got to be available at the right time and the right speed to resolve things in the right place. That's got to be the customer's choice. And you've got to meet the need that's behind the question. Yeah, it's fundamentally looking at what the customers want. It's not even about the transaction anymore. We'll get onto that in a second. Rowena, what do you think? No, I very much agree with you, Warren. For me, it's it's three things. It's simple, it's helpful, as you said. I think the third build for me, though, is it's got to be personal. It's got to be about the individual customer that you're dealing with at the time. Um, and I think that comes back to your point on need. Personal touch, Warren, does that now come through as one of the most important things you have to exhibit to customers? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, and we've seen it in lots of other industries. So, you know, when I'm dealing with Amazon, they don't just treat me as anyone, they recommend, etc. We know those kind of examples. It's hard, I think, to get it right, because you want to feel that it is genuinely personal and not 
just that I've been stereotyped into some kind of box. I think it's the biggest opportunity we have in customer experience, customer service going forwards. Yeah, we, we say, you know, is it cool or is it creepy? Mm. Um, and there's a there's a spectrum of activity. But I think people are increasingly finding it helpful. We do research every year. And one of the things that we found out this year was that the number one reason why millennials leave their current financial services provider is they weren't offered a personalised service. And that's changed over the years. If we did the same survey four years ago, the number one reason why people left was because we did something to upset them. Right. So expectations of customers really are evolving and expecting us to be a little bit more relevant to them as opposed to just get the hygiene right. Relevance come up uh, a few times in recent conversations and relevant is, is probably the word to use actually, timely relevant. It's all about uh, how it works for me. But in terms of looking at multiple channels, how does that fit in to make the service better for me as a customer? So I, I don't think customers particularly choose a channel. I think they have a need and they pick the channel that best suits the need for them at that moment. Um, again, going back to research, when somebody picks up the phone, 80% of people are going to be somewhere near either a mobile device or a tablet. So they could have contacted us in a different way. They just chose the phone because that was the thing that made sense for them at that time. So it comes back again, I think, to the need that they've got. So does that mean that financial services should or shouldn't be channel agnostic, Warren? I think the key is channel of choice. And the biggest challenge we have in dealing with that is that actually customers move faster than most businesses can. So I still remember when I had to respond to the first tweet that came out, it never occurred to us many years ago that that would become a major customer service channel. And as we're now starting to see from, from that point of view, it's not about, I think, it being agnostic. I think it's actually about us trying to keep pace with the customer. So right now that means if the customer wants to use WhatsApp to deal with customer service issues, we have to be there. Mm. There is an element, I think, that we have to be sensitive to our expertise in trying to understand what's the best way and the best channel to meet the customer need. And that's an honest conversation sometimes with the customer, say, there might be a better way of us helping you with this. But what you can't do is ignore the starting point. The best way of meeting customer expectations is to set them, right? So if you're not going to be able to meet their need through WhatsApp or Twitter, tell them and they'll just move to another channel. I think I think that's fine and customers do actually understand and appreciate that. What they don't appreciate is a mismatch of expectations. So we, we kind of, you know, we, we see and we understand we are customers. We know what we customers don't like about our, uh, our offering, the service that we get. But what's the problem? Why aren't, why aren't financial services organisations perhaps crossing the threshold and becoming customers and looking back into the organisation? Or is that really starting to happen? Are you seeing much better steps to understanding what customers want and then bringing that in and offering something better? I think the, it is about steps. And you can't jump because, you know, setting expectation means we have to genuinely deliver it. So like most organizations, we're very focused on building out customer journeys. The challenge is customer journeys are largely built out with the idea of a customer. But what customers really want is that personal and relevant. So the customer journey that's built for me probably needs to feel differently to the one built for my mum. And that's a step that we're still learning and it needs that data, real-time data to really drive that. And it's complicated and difficult to do. So we are gradually building that out, I think, as a whole industry. Some are ahead of others, but we shouldn't believe it's easy to do, even though 
it's definitely easy from the customer point of view to expect it. Well, that's right, and that's difficult. So it's a very broad, blunt question, and one that's very difficult to make happen. But is there still a, a danger, Rowena, that we could lose sight of customers? Are there particular gaps that we could fall down throughout that journey? I think that's an excuse. Um, the technology now exists that we don't have to lose sight of the customer. Um, and even if you step outside of technology, what customers want is an emotional connection. So even if you don't have the tools, even if the data's not quite with you or the systems don't quite support the seamless interaction, there is no excuse to not have a personal interaction because a personal interaction is between two human beings and you can offer that as a as a resort through through picking up the phone nothing but nods from warren you couldn't see it out there but you agree with that. yeah i completely agree and i often say this when i'm talking to my teams you know so i started as, a, as an agent 30 years ago um technology has utterly changed over that period behind life has changed all of those things there's a long period of time but fundamentally what was true 30 years ago is still true now which is what you're trying to do is to create a conversation between two human beings a customer and, and our colleague within the business the way we do it how we do it where we do it all of those things have changed but when we lose sight of that it's a conversation that we're trying to get to then I think we missed the point. So who's doing it well, Warren? Who's actually starting to show to be really on the customer's side and making that work technically? So I think one of the advantages of working for a company like HSBC is that I, I get a pretty good global view of this. So I think right now there are some businesses in China that are way ahead of anyone else. Um, and I'll give one example. I've spent quite a bit of time with Ping An, uh, one of the world's largest banks, but probably not very well um, known. And genuinely, they're moving. They're the personal, relevant, all of that data environment immediately available to them. You know, 95% of text-based conversations dealt with by chatbots in a personal and relevant way. So I think I think there are businesses out there. What's really important is we don't always look for examples in the same old places. Um, and I think we can look to China. I think we can look to India. There's a lot happening in Asia that uh, that we should be looking to learn from. And I think we can look outside financial services as well, right? So if you look at Zara um, and the, the clothes retailer, what they do really well is blending the online channels that they have. They have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of which click through into the the store you have qr codes so you can see something in store not quite make up your mind go home and choose it later and and actually what that really is thinking about is the customer need of the shopping experience that actually part of the fun is looking browsing and making your decision in your own time which might not be right in that moment when you're in the store so i think if we look outside custom uh, financial services we get some good examples i think you know if we think about need I think it's a really powerful word because it's one we use every day in terms of what we need. And and what that means, I think, in, in the way we're talking about with customers is we need to move from transaction to interaction. Now, we could describe it in different ways, but the fundamental thing is we move away from thinking of it just like a transaction or even a set of transactions. It's an end-to-end -end interaction with customers. And the reality is the difference, I think, when we're talking about financial services and money um, is that customers know what they want to achieve but not necessarily how to get there. And therefore, actually, financial services companies have a responsibility to meet that need while empathizing and supporting and helping the customer to do that. We sometimes genuinely know the best way to do it, but only if we really focus on the need.
There are leaps and bounds being jumped here. There are changes afoot, and they are really being taken very seriously in financial services as well as retail and other industries. Um, But do you have to work differently internally, Rowena? Do you have to start thinking about, actually, the way that you organize people? In China, some of those companies, they work in smaller teams, more autonomous teams, uh, a bit more fluid, a bit more uh, ideas-based. You know, what do we have to look at internally to make the external better? So I think there are definitely different challenges for the incumbents than for the new startups that we're starting to see. And I think some of that comes from the fact that actually the incumbents offer a full suite of products for a full suite of customers, whereas the the new startups can actually pick one product, one customer segment, one channel, and then expand out from that. So I think there's very different challenges depending on your starting point. Um, And the reason for that is because you do have silos, and whether those silos are systems, whether they're organisational, or whether they're cultural, it doesn't actually matter. It's those that are blocking us from sharing the data and getting that true need-based interaction that you're talking about, Warren. And just very simply before we move on, uh, a couple of words to describe um, what I want out of my customer experience. Perhaps you can do the same. For me, I think simplicity and reliability. You know, the accuracy in my money transfer, my money transactions is really important. But that simplicity means that I can choose. For me, that would work. What about you, Warren? I think it's responsiveness. I mean, one of the things I like this our example, you know, actually is they're very responsive to what customers. So if customers keep asking for something, they do it. They build, and that can be a different type of clothing. I think that tells us one of the great examples of so responsiveness. If if a business is not able to meet my need, I want it to work out how and work hard to do so. So I want it to respond to what I need. What about you, Rowena? Well, I keep talking about personalization, and and that's because I think it's the way to go. But the other thing that I think is really fundamental that financial services companies are doing very well and actually better than others is trust. Um, And that might be a strange thing to say, given some of the historic press that that financial services have got. But if we look at our trust index, trust in banks has been increasing year on year. And insurance companies is actually the biggest rise in trust over the last years. It's exceeding social media companies. And actually, it's starting to match some of the retail companies as well. So that, I think, is a very important part of who you're who you're looking at to look after your money for you you're listening to market force lives podcast engaging customers across an increasing range of channels hosted in association with accenture a very warm welcome to you now with more and more channels becoming available things can get complicated so let's discuss how to handle new channel integration to provide a seamless consistent front to back experience so arena uh, first of all what are the biggest barriers do you think to seamless channel integration so fundamentally the challenge is about data it's about getting the data and then getting the ability to share it so i think historically part of the challenge has been technology uh, limitations um But now for me, it comes into three things. It comes into the legacy technology stack. It's around the organizational silos and cultural boundaries. Um, And then I think the third thing is actually sometimes it's about overreaching. It's about trying to do too much, which means actually you start to fundamentally miss the basics. So... To be all things to all people is tempting, but very, very difficult to achieve. And that will change so quickly. But you mentioned data and legacy in the same sentence. So I really like that. Uh, Discuss, Warren. There are so many things to get right here. I agree with all those points. But I think there's an opportunity within our businesses all day. In fact, it's something that's been within our businesses for a long time. And, And it's the power of your workforce management team. 
and it's a quite an old-fashioned term. It exists in all of our businesses in good contact centre environments. And it's the way we've traditionally helped to manage it. So I agree with everything Rowena says. But actually, if you take what you've got and has traditionally done what you've done in your contact centre and you start to add those channels in there and the planning and things, that's the bit we've used as the glue. Mm. What we're rapidly finding is we can use it as the glue across all of these new channels as long as we respect it. And a lot of those tools still work. So mm. I think it's an important thing piece of the puzzle we already have. We know that the the better use of data, timely data, real time hopefully, and uh, that ability to talk directly to the customer and listen and bring that back in, that's really important. So is it the transition, almost the, the, the connections between the people and the systems that you have in place, is it the connections that make the difference right now, Rowena? People make the difference. It comes back to what we were talking about before. Technology will enable you. Having all the data in one place will make it easier and and that is tough right it's it's tough to get right if you've been doing it a different way for a, for a period of time um, but it comes down to, to getting the conversation you call it interaction I call it conversation that's that's the bit that counts and and a conversation can be digital too right it doesn't have to be a, a person-to-person conversation we can get a conversation going online we can get a conversation going on the web just from the way we present things yeah Again, nodding from Warren, because that is the connections, even if it is slightly old school, the way that people work together, fundamentally important. Yeah, and I think think the nature, the challenge around that people piece is trust. So I think the reason we often work in silos is it's about trust between those silos. And you can't just say work together silos, but you can absolutely say and build out how you build trust between different teams. So how you build trust between your team designing the data um, that is going to hold all of the relevance and how it connects in with your contact centre team, you can't take for granted. So I think you have to really still work on those elements of trust in the business where big and small teams, and that's where the people connect. So talking back to the customers as we were in the last section, how important is it for we, the customer, to be able to jump channels? I think there's two elements on on that. I think the first is we have to have the ability to support the fact that customers might start a journey on one channel and move to another. And the reason I'm sensitive on the word jump, they often don't do it at the same time. So So I start online and then I might want a different kind of interaction just actually because time has changed and maybe I now want to do it on chat and with a chat bot or as a human. So actually it's that over time and thinking about how you build the journeys that support that. The technology then comes back to the point Rona made earlier is about the data because what I don't want to do is start where I started. I wanted to start where I finished and then for it to move across. And that's where there's that sense, I think, of it jumping and it's difficult and complicated to do. It's a simple response in principle for the customer. I want to carry on where I left off. So context helps any story, right? And an interaction with a customer is their financial story. So I will, I will never say you don't need context. And I will say that technology helps provide the context quicker. Um, and I think technology can also help empower maybe a new, a new agent or a new conversation with additional information. It's not the end of the story, though. If someone's not telling you the whole story, you could ask questions. So yes, it's important. But let's not make it everything. I think I can give a, a simple example for me that, mm. that, that actually one of the things that, that I feel passionate about is as we connect these pieces, that there, there are clues. So, for example, if we, if we have a customer who's in our mobile app, our mobile banking app, and they've spent a period of time working through an international payment, for example, and then they want to call us, 
I can either put them through an IVR where they tell me they need to do an international payment, or I can take the clue that says there's a very high chance that's what they want some help with now. And I'd almost rather take that little bit of risk if 10% of the time I then have to ask them some questions because 90% of the time I've been responsive to the clues they've already given me. And I think it comes back to how we started the story, Warren, about this being personal. Whilst millennials actually are more comfortable with us tracking their activity, more comfortable with us knowing stuff about them, we have to do it in a way that's personal because actually some of the, the earlier generations are not so keen. My only addition yeah. would be definitely age demographics and millennials, but then culture. Because, for example, that's much less of a concern to people in Asia, particularly in China, the China piece, than it is perhaps to people in, in London, in the UK or in the US. So th- there's a lot of sensitivity in, in these different elements. that, And that's why I mean clues. Of course, you can't ignore them. We have to. They're the customer. Um, but let's actually look at those clues and then build out in, in terms of the quality of service we can deliver. We ultimately always assume that it's better to be a real-time quick you know speedy process and that's true but when it comes to friction hold-ups are these actually useful in some ways so i think what's really interesting in the last few years in, in financial services is we have introduced quite a lot of points of friction on purpose and some of that's been a learning so we had definitely now asked customers a lot more questions um, that we have to do And that's because, you know, partners in, whether that's regulators or governments or each other, we are trying to add in a level of protection that builds the trust back. We touched on the load that really builds that trust back. I think the key then is that you can do that and learn how to do that where it doesn't feel like friction to the customer. So just to give an example, you know, when we started to do that, we would often say to a customer, we've got to take you through because the regulator said, rightly, customers hated that. But if I start by saying there's a set of questions I just need to run through, what we just want to do is make sure I understand your need and I'm protecting your data and your money, feels suddenly completely different. And, and that's where I think that we just have to be sensitive. One feels like friction, the other feels like care. Up until now, there's been a, so much of a focus on the internal workings and making the process really work. And the technology obviously is fundamentally important. But does that help financial services organisations to get to a point when they can have a really open, honest conversation and take in human Uh, elements of that conversation from customers. Yeah, I think what technology has allowed us to do is it's allowed us to take the more transactional interactions that people want to have, checking their balance, asking simple questions, taking them away and offline um, and fixing them very quickly and fixing them in a 24 by 7 type way, right? You, Mm. You don't have to interact with someone. You can just, I check my balance on my phone multiple times a day. Um, And what that then does is it allows you to free up other channels um, to have more of a conversation. Yeah. So what do you think um, we should be focusing on on right now to make the channel choice clearer, better for customers and for them to have a better experience? I'm going to go back to data, right? We've got to join up our data because I think your point, Warren is about context and that context is going to be through sharing data. So if we're going to break any barriers, if we're going to break any silos within organisations, it's got to start there. So I think three things. Data would be first, so I'm not going to repeat that. completely agree. I think the second thing is keep building foundations. 
You know, one of the natures around this is you, you can't just jump technology. So behind this is understanding, let's keep building the solid foundations of technology, building that data and understanding. And I think then the third element is where there's an opportunity to jump. And that's to start seeing people as individuals. And I'll just use one quick example. You know, I like really quick calls when I call a contact center. I really don't want to have a chat about my holiday. Okay, my mum loves to have a chat when we call through. We could be look like a customer, or we look like two individual people. And I think the more the, the how we apply that personal and relevant really needs to be individual. Okay, let's uh, gaze into our crystal ball and predict what the future might hold, what new channels await us, and how we can prepare ourselves to open them up. Uh, first of all, which channels should banks prioritise right now? And it depends on the bank and the customer, clearly, but which ones do you favour in terms of a focus? We know where customers are starting to have most of their conversations, and that's in what I broadly call social chat. So it's the social platforms that have now extended into messaging WhatsApp is a fantastic example, Apple Business Manager. There are others and others, obviously, in, in China with WeChat. So that's the priority because that's what the customer's chosen. Rowena, any thoughts? I agree. It's fundamentally putting in those existing channels and getting them working. We spoke earlier about overreaching, and I think that's the problem. We've got to get what I actually think now messaging is the basics, right? We've got to get those basics right before we start getting excited about virtual reality branches or wearable technology. I don't think that adds a need, right? We go back to the need. Does the customer need it right here, right now? No, they just want the existing channels to work. The right here, right now is great. What about the right there, right then? What next do you think in terms of of channels? Warren, any 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 glimpses of future tech? So I have a vision, which I think there's loads of technology behind, and I think we could do it, I just don't think we're ready to. So imagine the mobile banking app you go to, and it just has a Google-like search. And I might search by voice, I might type, any different things, and actually it doesn't have lots of buttons I press, I just say what I want or I just type what I want. And then everything behind it connects through to say, this is the best way to do it, this is when we can do it for you, etc. So I think there's a real step beyond the way we think of UX and how we really start thinking about the customer experience. My sort of bifurcation point, the point where I change my mind and or don't want to do something is often when I've had a problem with it. So sentiment analysis, those things are really important. My behavior is dependent on how, how happy I feel about my previous search. I don't want 10 dishwashers. I want the one I had and I want the accessories to go with it, etc., etc., etc. So actually understanding what customers don't want is actually as important as offering up opportunities. Exactly. And, and again, technology will support that. As much as we think human interactions are based on people, actually we've got technology out there that will help us understand sentiment through what customers say, through what they don't say, through the way they say it, um, through the way they don't say it. And I think if all those things come together, we, we get our sweet spot. I love your idea of Chatty Bank, Warren. I, if I could just talk through what I wanted... I would, I would be a, a happy woman. Uh, it's patented by Warren, just in case you're wondering. Chatty bank. Chatty bank. <laughs> so uh, agility, uh, Rowena, how do, you, how do you start to become more agile as an organisation to allow all this to happen? We talked about people, we talked about legacy, we talked about data. Together, great formula. 
it's not easy, right? For particularly for our incumbents, for for large organisations to move, it, it's not simple. But I think we're seeing some great examples of it. And I think when we start to see it, it's quite often that you spin something up separate. You can test it in that way and then roll it in when it works. And I think we've got some good examples of that coming out in the market. Again, I think one of the benefits with HSBC is in many of we're a huge bank in some businesses and we're the challenger bank in, in other countries from that point of view. And I think that's giving us the flexibility to, mm-hmm. to try different pieces. The reality is for legacy organisations in any industry, it's hard to make that, that move. Personally, I choose to work there because I think it's the most exciting and challenging opportunity. That's what drives me. And I think when you demonstrate it happens, it lifts the whole organisation. So looking uh, finally forward, um, how do we bring the human touch to all of the channels that we use in the future, essentially making the journey not just personal or personalised, but natural? What do you think? I think it probably is one thing that we've perhaps not touched on. And that's the importance of focusing on our people, um, the frontline people, you know, and actually that we need as long as investing in all of this technology and ways of working and customer journeys for the customer, we have to invest just as much in our people because the role of our frontline people is changing hugely. You know, problem solving, high levels of empathy, a maturity in the way that they deal with customers. We have to invest just as much of that. It does come down to people and technology supports that, right? I don't, I, again, I keep talking about these and models. I don't think we're making a choice about, you know, are people going to be replaced by robots? Is this a war going through? No, actually, the solution is going to come when we work hand in hand and technology can augment human understanding. It can provide additional information and stop people from having to search for data and allow them to listen to the conversation Um, and vice versa. Right. You know, the machines are only going to do what we tell them to. So we also have to, to blend that way. Well, that's all we have time for. I do hope that you've enjoyed the discussion, that you found Warren and Rowena's insights really useful and picked up some ideas that will help you to better engage customers across an increasing range of channels. If this conversation sparked your interest and you'd like to hear more, just Google Money Live or Insurance Innovators to find a wealth of content on the latest financial services insights, not least our future of retail banking report. You can also check out our events page to see the range of hotly anticipated events and webinars that run throughout the year. We'll see you there. And do also go to Accenture.com to see how the world's leading companies are embracing innovation. Well, it only remains to say thanks very much to Warren and to Rowena for joining us today and to Accenture for making the podcast possible. Uh, For now, thanks very much for listening and we hope you can join us again very soon for the next Market Force Live podcast. Until then, all the best. Bye-bye.